All right, turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John. We're going to be there a while. 1 John, chapter number 2, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. This will be message number three. <clears throat> Today is an advocate with the Father. We have already looked at, I know that I know, and we also looked at sin is such a deception. But today we're going to look at chapter number two. Are you there? John writes, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is our advocate. He is our propitiation. That's a $50 word there. It literally translates and means mercy seat. He is our mercy seat for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Don't you like that? I do. I do. Not just for me. Not just for a chosen few. Not just for the frozen chosen. No, 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 no. For the whole world. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him and keeps not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But who keeps his word in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as Jesus walked. Father, I'm praying and believing, dear God, that this is going to be a help. It's going to be meat for those that need meat. I'm believing, God, it's going to be manna for those that need manna. Lord, it will be milk for those that need milk. Help us, dear God, to grow thereby from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. How many here have ever been tempted to sin? How many here have ever been tempted to sin and you did not sin? And those that didn't raise your hand, you must really be heathen. <laughs> How many here wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said? <laughs> Here's what I believe as a Christian. You can say no to sin. Oh, now, preacher, come on. Well, my question would be, can you say no to sin for five minutes? Well, yeah. Well, if you can go five, you can go ten. If you go ten, you can go twenty. Now, what I do not, what I am not trying to get across is some sort of sinless perfection. Because the people that preach that and tell me that that's where they're at, I figure if they'll lie to me about that, they'll lie to me about something else too. Amen. No, I'm not saying that Christians are sinless, but I do believe that Christians sin less. Now, I don't want that to go over anybody's head, so I want to repeat that. I do not believe that Christians are sinless. But I do believe Christians sin less. 
any person sins, and then they sin again, and then they sin again, and then they're just down in, the, in it, wallowing in it, and there is no thought of this is wrong, don't tell me you're a Christian because this is bad, bad, bad grammar, but it's good theology. You ain't. Because God, by his spirit, will deal with you the moment you sin. That's right. That's right. And the Bible says if that doesn't happen, I won't even use the word that is used in the book of Romans, but basically it's you're not really his child. It gets down to this right here. I like using it to where people can, people can see it. The person that sins and you just waller in it and you're going last last week for whatever reason i can't remember why i use it but i went you know we 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 the moment i did that i thought of that stupid pig commercial that's on <laughs> that's on tv right now but the person that gets in it and just we 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 and squeals with delight don't tell me you're a sheep you're a pig because the sheep, the moment he crosses over and gets into that mess, he is going to know that mud is on him and there's something that I've got to do. I've got to go get to the Father and make this right. Amen. The sheep will go, bah, bah. He wants help from the shepherd. The pig will go, wee, 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 all the way home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, you sin and sin and deny any wrongdoing and deny that, that, oh, no, it wasn't me or it was somebody else or it was like Adam saying, God, that woman you gave me. You know, that's a great way to start a sentence. Any sentence, my wife. That's just a great way to start a sentence. And basically, that's what Adam did. My wife, it's that woman that you gave me. Or you'll make a, 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 a denial like King Saul. It was the people. It was the people. I listened to them. I shouldn't have listened to them. It was everybody else's fault except my own. Or a president that we had that said, it just matters what the word is, is. Denial. Put it off on someone else. No, the Bible says if any man or if any one sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Let me move this. Be so easy to grab that rope right then or to get it then. If any man sin, have an advocate with the Father. Or then. Or. No. No. The moment you sin, take care of it then. The longer you wait, the harder it's going to be to reach out there and to even want to reach out there. 
the moment you sin. If any man sin, you have an advocate with the Father, and Jesus Christ the righteous shows up and defends us in the presence of God. The Bible says that Jesus as our high priest ever lives. That's, that's what he's doing. He ever lives to make intercession for you and for me. You know why that is? Because ain't none of us perfect. Amen. Ain't none of us perfect. And there's always going to be things that we do wrong. And God is going to be more than willing to forgive us if we reach out there for him. And the reason why God will not hide his face away from our sin is because the Bible says God is light. Everything is exposed before him. I mentioned last week about Moses. When he killed the Egyptian, he looked to the right, he looked to the left. It never one time says that he looked up. The very place that he should have been looking. God does not close his eyes to our sin. He can't do it. God's justice has to prevail. That's why he has made a way out for us that we can readily call out unto God. And God is more than willing to forgive us our sins. Thank God. Thank God. Abraham goes down into Egypt. He brings Hagar back with him. He has sex with her, and God never one time glosses over that. And that, that one liaison with Hagar has brought problems to the world from that day until right now. And God did not close his eyes to that sin, even though Abraham was the father of the faithful. God did not close his eyes to David, the man that was after God's own heart. God said, he's the apple of my eye. And yet when, when David sinned, God sent Nathan the prophet to point his finger at him and say, thou art the man, you're the one that did evil. And David said, I have sinned. He reached out and grabbed a hold of that forgiveness that God was willing to give. We will see in this book that God wants to save whosoever will, but also for the sins of the whole world. I am sick up to here with this hyper-Calvinist teaching that people try to glob on to me that, oh, preacher, if you'd just preach that, you'd just be a little bit more cutting edge. You'd be, you'd be smart like me if you'd really get a hold of that. I don't think it got anything to do with that. I don't want to be lazy like the people that's believing that because that's what I see in it. Oh, no, God just has a select few, and God only going to save that group. And, you know, just so happened, I'm in that group. <laughs> and just so happened, if you look at my family photo, all of my five kids, they're in that group too. It's an aloofness, and a, I'm better than you, and I'm smarter than you, and they will have hardly any type of outreach to win somebody to Jesus at all. Why should they? Because God just picks and chooses. You ever heard this word? Whosoever. 
Now, I don't know what that means to you, but I got a pretty clear understanding what that means to me. Whosoever means whosoever. Whosoever, whosoever. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Thanks be unto God. In 1 John chapter 2, I'm going to show you what Jesus coming to this earth, what it revealed, what he wanted to be revealed about God that nobody really ever knew. In the Old Testament, we see God revealed like this. Jehovah Shalom. Anybody know what that means? God is my peace. Jehovah Rapha. God is my healer. Jehovah Zidkanu, God is my righteousness. Jehovah Shammah, God is near. Jehovah Jireh, God is my supply. Jehovah Makedesh, God is my holiness. Jehovah Nissi, God is my banner. Jehovah Rohi, God is my shepherd. All of those names are revealed in the Old Testament, and it's just slowly but surely, every time something would happen, there's one more thing revealed about who God really is. But Jesus came to this earth, and he revealed God in a fashion that never described God in the Old Testament. God is a, anyone want to take a guess? Father. That's the greatest revelation of God that we see in the New Testament. God is a father. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul writes, We receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. He didn't, the Holy Spirit didn't tell him to write, Abba, Abba. He didn't tell him to write, Father, Father. He told him to write, Abba, Father. You know what Abba means? Any? Daddy. Daddy. Catholic Church has seen this a long time before the Protestants have seen it. That's why the Pope is called the Pope. He's supposed to be a representation of the Father, and Pope is Latin for Papa. Jesus came, yes, to forgive us of our sins, and yes, to reveal who God really is. When I was in Israel the last time, Kay and myself, we seen, was there at the Wailing Wall, and I seen something that just mounted me. It was a man that had been in one group, and his son was with him, and the little boy was talking to another little boy, and the man got through discussing what he was talking about with this other man, and the man walked on toward the Wailing Wall. Well, about that time, the little boy seen that his dad would took off, and the little boy started running to his dad saying, Abba, Abba. Boy, that really, that really got me. Abba, Daddy, Daddy. I remember years ago, Jimmy Swagger saying on his program, Oh, anybody that would call God Daddy, that just makes me sick. Well, later on, I found out he didn't have a real good relationship with his daddy. 
That's why that made him sick. I mean, think about it. My kids don't call me up and say, oh, would the father of all fathers who resideth in Wayne County is... Is there any way you could help with me? No, I don't do that. Hey, Dad, how you doing? How's your billfold doing here lately? In the book of John, chapter 17, Jesus said, I have made known your name to my disciples. What name? Father. The fullest revelation of who God is. And we read about it right here in his very first verse. He is a, he, we are his children. He is our Father. John 17. Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. The word keep means protect. I was thinking this, and I hadn't thought of this, oh, I don't know, in I don't know how many years, but uh, I was thinking about this, and it just all kind of come back to me. I, got no, I was in seventh grade, and I got into an argument with a guy that was in eighth grade, and it was over a girl. I had the looks back, where's David Eats? I had the looks back then, I'm telling you, brother. And the girls to go along with it. Now I just got the girl to go along with it. But. <clears throat> and he said, shall you meet me at certain, certain place after school? I'll be there. Well, I showed up and he had a lot of his friends there with him. And I had a few friends of mine there with me. And we got into it and I started getting the best of him. I was the one on top, and I was the one that was delivering the goods. <laughs> and about that time, up against my ear, whop! Knocked me right off of him, and this man, the kid's dad, was right on top of me, and he was delivering the goods now. <laughs> you won't hit my boy! Well, that was that. I went home. My brother, he was right there with, he seen the whole thing. We, we went home, dad, I think at the time was working second shift, so I didn't see dad until, I think that was on a Friday. I didn't see dad until Saturday the next day. And um, he sees me and I got a few places on my face. Hey boy, what happened? You get in a fight? Yeah. Who'd you fight? And I told him and dad says, that's kind of surprising. Looks like he got the best of you. And I was about ready to say, no, he didn't. And my brother says, it wasn't him. It was that kid's dad that did that to Mark. My dad bolted out of the house, got in his truck, went over to that guy's house, knocked on the door. The guy answered the door and he grabbed him by the shirt and pulled him out on the porch and dad started delivering the goods. <laughs> now I think back on all that, if that was today, everybody would have got thrown in jail. <laughs> but back then that was just kind of par for the course. <clears throat> Keep.
The Father will keep. The Father will protect. I've learned that, and, I, and I've mentioned this before in other sermons. Things that I've learned about God, I learned them way before I got saved. I learned them from dear old mom and dad. 80% of teenagers today that commit crimes are committed by kids who grow up without a dad. 80%. Dan Quayle, what he said 25 years ago, and all the smart people laughed when he said how important dad is. Well, nobody ain't laughing no more about that. They've seen it's really important. Father is really important. Today in America, young people from the ages of 13 to 25, most are from broken homes and divorced parents, and many of them have absentee dads. And I said it last week, and I'll say it again today, every dollar, every effort, everything we put toward these young people, it is worth it, and nobody can try to tell me otherwise. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells the story of the lost sheep, the lost silver, and the lost son. All of those have one word overwritten over all three stories, value. That's why effort was put in on trying to find them. And let me tell you, you can be far away from God, but God is still looking to you. The father ran to the prodigal son. In 1996... Nick Faldo defeated Greg Norman. What sport am I talking about? Golf. Norman had, I don't know, it was one of the biggest folds, I guess, in, in major play. But he had so many stroke lead and he just, he just lost it. And Faldo wound up and won. When that, game, when that game of golf was over, Faldo did something that was out of the norm. Instead of going over and giving Greg Norman a handshake, he bear-hugged him. And the moment he bear-hugged him, you can see Greg Norman begins crying. Greg Norman, the big, what is he, Australian? The big Australian, he begins sobbing. His back is just, I mean, he's sobbing uncontrollably. And later on, he is asked about that, and he said, it was the first time in my life that I ever received a hug from somebody like that. My dad was distant. My dad never has spent time with us. My dad never hugged us as kids. I'm going to tell you, dads, that's a great thing to be able to do. Hug your kids. Hug your kids. In 1 John 2, what we already read. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous, is our advocate. God is willing to, the Lord Jesus is willing to stand before the Father and say, Father, I'm Mark's lawyer. And besides that, I'm willing to pay for whatever sin and crimes he has committed. You know what the God, the righteous judge of all says? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's the declaration that God is willing to make. Two stories and I close. 
Thomas Benton. And if you Google this on the prodigal son, paintings of the prodigal son, you'll see this. So I just tell you that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't going to put it up here. But if you want to look at it, you can look at it. Thomas Benton has a painting of the prodigal son that's unlike any painting of the prodigal son you'll ever see in your life. It shows the prodigal son as an old man. And he's come back. And the house is in disrepair. The father is nowhere to be found. The fatted calf, skeletal remains. And in the distance, the sun is setting. Let me tell you, that's what the enemy will try to convince people of. There's no hope. There's no use. There's no sense in coming back. That's what the enemy will try to tell you. Now, let me give you another story to follow up with that. This name means nothing to anybody here. Paul Murphy, 1840s through 1855, chess champion of the United States of America. Every move he ever made in a tournament was recorded, and it's in book form today. Bobby Fischer said he's the greatest chess mind that the world has ever seen. Now, in 1845, during the length of time ever, he went across Europe. Nobody could beat this guy, grandmaster, all of that. He is in New York City going through an art exhibit, and while looking at all these paintings, he comes across as the, uh, the exhibitor guy is telling them all about it, and there is a painting of a chess match. And it's of the devil on one side and a young man on the other. And the name of the painting is Checkmate. And as the guy describes this and who the painter was of this, everybody else of the 10 or 15 people that was there, they all walk on to go look at the next painting. But not Murphy. He's staring at it. They get further and further down. They're now in another corridor or in another wing of the exhibit, and he's still looking. With his mind, he's looking at every move, calculate every little thing, every step of the way. 20 minutes later, the group hears him, and they're in a total different wing. And here's what Paul Murphy says. With a super loud, just exclamation point, totally excited, he says, Young man, don't give up yet. There's one more move on that board. The man who had painted thought he knew every move that was made. But the chess master found that there was still one more move but this young man to make where it wouldn't be checkmate. Listen, again with a Thomas Benton painting. The enemy may tell you that the father's gone and the fatted calf is no more and it's just a skeletal remain and why would you even mess about going back? But listen, God's word to every one of us is don't give up. There's going to be one more move. And that one more move is going to be go to the father. Go to the father through his own son. Bow your heads, please. Father, we're thankful again for the opportunity to be able to share your word this day. And we're asking and praying, God, for your Holy Spirit to make, make this word 
come alive in every person knowing that we don't have to live to where it's like the enemy is using us as a, as a road or as a welcome mat to just to wipe their feet all over us. But dear God, we can live in the realm that you want us to live in victory and not defeat. Lord, if there's any person here this morning that needs you as Savior, we're believing God that that's going to happen this day. In Jesus' name we're praying. Amen. Let's all stand. I'm a pretty straightforward kind of guy. And I want to think anyway, but the message that I preach that most everybody's understanding what I'm trying to get across. Surely today, anybody and everybody in this building can know when we sin, we go to the Father. And he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. But you may be here this morning and you've never, you've never had the initial moment to where you were willing to bow before God and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin. If that's you, I want you to come forward. And if there are Christian people here that you need to pray, and I, I'm telling you, this preacher, this preacher needs to pray. Every Wednesday night, almost without fail, I go to the altar because I know it does me good keeps me in a place to where God can work with me. God can move me and mold me and shape me. Don't get hard and crusty. Don't be like a crouton Christian or just hard and crusty. Be soft and pliable, moldable to what God wants in your life. As they sing. Sing, come.
We see in this book of John, 1 John, God is light. Therefore, he does see everything. But thank God, the Bible also says in this book that God is love. And God wants to forgive us of what we do. When we fail, God wants to forgive us. I told him Wednesday night at the close of that service, but there is a thought, and I don't know how it got started, but there's a thought that, that the Father is mean and Jesus has to try to coax him into loving us. It's not Bible. That's not Bible. Father's full of compassion. But what we trip up is God, as well as he is love, God is just as well. And this is why the cross is so, so, so important. The justice of God, that right there, what Jesus done satisfied the justice of God. And now the love of God can be poured abroad upon whosoever will by receiving that forgiveness and that grace that Jesus won for us all. The message today is this, when you sin, right then and there, don't wait, don't put it off, right then and there is when you pray and ask God to forgive you. It'll keep your heart soft. Otherwise, your heart will start to get hard and you don't want that to happen. I've told Kay with pastoring a church, it's important for me to have rhino skin. How many's got rhino truck liner and all that? Where, yeah, no matter what you throw in it, it's going to get. It's important for me to have rhino skin. But here's what I got to watch out against. I can't allow that rhino skin to seep into my heart. To where then I get a hard heart. No, I got to stay soft. I'm a lovable little fuzzball, and God wants to keep me that way. That's right. That's right. That's right. <clears throat> Thank you for being here today. We ask you to share your faith. One <clears throat> And listen, there are people out there on the job and at school, and uh, you need to share your faith with them. Uh, invite them to church. That's a good place to start right there. It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.